Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Why Always Us with me, James Regal. And me, Jay McDonald. How's it going, James? You alright? Yeah, I'm alright, mate. I'm alright. Bit worried. We've got we're back into lockdown, aren't we? Oh yeah. Not great news for us, listener, I'm afraid. We had big summer plans, didn't we, mate? We were gonna go here, there, everywhere, but now no, we've got to stay inside. <sighs> it's awful. Yeah, that's the you know, the pros and cons of living in Barcelona, I guess. Mm. Uh, I was at the beach today and they literally they made it one in one out, uh, which I don't think I've ever seen Jesus. on the beach. Um, so, you know, UK listeners just know that this is, you know, we were ahead of you last time. Mm. This is probably your future. So not, you know, not to start on a grim note, but um, yeah. it's coming, guys. It's coming. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. On to more cheery stuff, huh, James? Yeah. Football. Yeah. They're still playing football. They are. They are still playing football, and uh, you know we've we've had a few great results between our two teams. Before we get into that, yes. Before we get into that, uh, we need to thank our amazing sponsors, yes, Natural Barber Company, uh, who are an amazing company doing all natural styling products uh, for your hair. Uh, no synthetics, petrochemicals, or other harmful ingredients that could irritate sensitive skin, uh, and it makes your hair look pretty damn good too. To be honest nice. with you. Uh, yeah, they've got a couple of products out at the moment. They've got the Zeus product, which gives you a nice shiny look, and Hades, which gives you more of a kind of matte style. Are you shiny or a matte guy? I, I'm more of a matte. I think shiny can lead to like people thinking you've got weird stuff in your hair. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. Natural Bible cover. You're listening to that. Mm. Uh, it doesn't look weird. No, it no, looks, it, it definitely looks doesn't. Luscious and healthy. Yeah, and clean. exactly. This is just my own personal preference. <laughs> well, I was actually, put on the spot, gun to the head. I had to choose matte. Cool. Well, I I use shiny uh, because I like looking a bit more slick, uh, and also my hair is ridiculous. And if I use matte, it just feels like a brush. Uh, <laughs> and that's. Yeah. But it's also a good product. Matte is also good. It is. It really, you know, <laughs> it's, there's two products for every hair type. Um, sweet. Good that went ad, well, that was good. Yeah, good, good ad, ad read, guys. Mm. But listen, uh, Natural Barber Company, they're at naturalbarber.co. Uh, and especially for our listeners, they've got a promo code uh, for 25% off your order plus free next day delivery in the UK. Uh, so just go to the website naturalbarber.co and put always us 25 at checkout and uh, yeah, a bit of money saved on, on your hair products, guys. Nice. Cool. So, Jamie, before we get into the football, uh, right. one quick order of business is just uh, a little plea to our, our current listeners. So, we've, we've actually had around sort of four or five hundred downloads so far of the good. first few episodes. Yeah, which is more than I expected at this point. So, you know, thanks everyone who's been supporting so far. Really, thanks a lot. If you do like this, 
uh, and please help us grow it and help mm. us reach more people because you know we've had great feedback on the concept we're really enjoying it I hope yeah. you guys are too so the way you can do that is if you well share it with people Absolutely. obviously however way you want to do it mm. uh, if you're listening on iTunes then please just give us a rating or and or a review Absolutely. that really helps us uh, get into the algorithm and up the charts and all that yeah. stuff uh, follow us on Twitter uh, at, uh, at why always us pod <laughs> please <laughs> yeah easy for me to say um and yeah just just help us keep this thing going man it's um we're really enjoying it yeah. I hope you guys are as well and if you want to get in touch you know uh get in contact with us why should your team why is it always your team that's right uh you know we, we we're happy for for people to put themselves up to be guests if you've if you've got something that's been bugging you about your side and you feel you should come on here then then let us know you know reach out via the twitter by twitter probably yeah. send us a message on there and uh and we'll happily have a chat with you so, football. Mm. Jamie, you've been having a bit of a smug grin all day, which has really annoyed me because I was all set to banter <laughs> you about Spurs winning the North London derby. And you've yes. only gone two days later, beat Man City, and then got yourself in another no, FA no. Cup final. I'll just rephrase that. We beat Liverpool, the champions, the next game. And then afterwards, we've just recently, yesterday, beat Man City in the FA Cup semi-final, James. I got them. How are Tottenham doing in the FA Cup this season? Uh, we did great. I think we lost to Norwich on penalties and Eric Dyer punched someone in the stadium. <laughs> so, no, all in all, uh, not a bad performance. Um, yeah, I have to say the the Spurs-Arsenal game for me, um, I thought very solid defensive display from Spurs. Not much else going on apart from the last 15, 20 minutes or so when you were like, right, OK, we've defended Noel now. Let's go and attack them. Or, well, Son and Kane, let's go and attack them. Everybody else was kind of stood behind the halfway line, I thought. Interesting uh, aspect on that one, Jamie. If you look at the XG, I think you'll find we were vastly superior. And, of course, that's the stat that really matters. Um, What does XG stand for, James? uh, Expected goals. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway... (laughs) Unfortunately, we, we, I can't banter you about that because you're in the FA Cup final. Yeah, we don't want to talk about this too long because we have to get onto the yeah, show yeah. and not everyone listens to this is a Spurs fan or an Arsenal fan. However, mm. right, do you know how many FA Cup final Spurs have been in since I've supported them since 1994? Ooh, it's probably going to be a low number. Yeah, well, it's zero, Jamie. Oh, uh, no! Lot, yeah, lots of, lots of, lots of semi-finals. Uh, damn, damn, damn. But we just couldn't go that extra mm. mile. And somehow... Arsenal, despite being kind of rubbish for the last six or seven years. I wouldn't agree with that at all. <laughs> you've, been a, you've won a few FA Cups and yeah. you've got into a final. So can, can just... Well, no, 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 we don't won a few FA Cups. We've won 13 FA Cups. More than anybody else, thank you very but much. But recently, recently, you won like three in a row or something? Yeah, we won like, yeah, 2017 and 2015, I believe. Um, and yes. Okay, so why is it... So you know, back to the topic of the podcast, why always us? Mm. Why are your fans so bloody miserable? <laughs> Because they keep reaching We're finals, to, winning to wait trophies. wait for the Arsenal episode to find out the times we've been really screwed up. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, you know. let's not talk about Arsenal. No. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about people we do like. Um, Leighton Orient. Yes. So, so this week we are talking to two Leighton Orient fans. Uh, mm. A club that I think you know a lot of people, have, especially fans of London clubs, will have seen a lot of players go out on loan to, to Orient. Um, that you know, a nice family club that have been been through the ringer a bit, haven't they? It's, that's true, James. As you'll as you'll hear, listener, uh, from our conversations, uh, life has not been too kind. I would say quite in quite recent history, really, in terms of uh, different ownership and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're not we're not going to spoil it, but 
I mean, in terms of clubs having it hard, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find any with 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 recent tales of woe mm. as, as bad as Leighton Orient, bar maybe the Boltons and the Wiggins who are, who are really Absolutely. going through at the moment. Um, but yeah, we've got a couple of great guests, uh, Paul and Pete, who are going to talk to us about Orient. So I think let's uh, let's just get into it. All right, let's do it. <laughs> So welcome, guys, to Why Always Us. Thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure. Hi, guys. Hi. Nice to see you. Cool. So we've got uh, Paul Levy and Pete Merry, is it? Yeah, Merry. Yeah, M-E-W-R-E. I literally asked you that right before we started recording. I don't know what's happened with my short-term memory. I've been playing a lot of PlayStation. I think it's just destroyed. Don't blame the video games, James. No, no. You just have to accept that you're a little bit slower than all the other boys. I don't even smoke or anything. I don't even have that excuse. I don't touch drugs or anything. Honest mum listening. But yeah, thanks, guys, for coming. We're going to talk about Leighton Orient. So, yeah, the context of this is... You know, we're about four episodes. This is this will be the fifth episode of the podcast. And uh, my mate, I want to shout out actually Dave Alfie Ward, who put me on to you, Pete. He said, You've got to do a Leighton Orient one. Like the story there is just unbelievable. Um, and in the pre chat we've just had, uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about mm, it. Yeah, me too. Um, but, but before before we get into that, guys, we just sort of quickly give the audience a bit of an intro about who you are and what you do. If we want to start with you, Pete. Yeah, um, I've been supporting Orient like uh, the worst part of 30 years or the best part of 30 years um, from the 80s. Um, first ever game I went to at Leighton Orient, Steve Bruce was playing for, and, and Mickey Adams were playing for Gillingham, not wow. for Orient, but, um, you know, the claim to fame. Always, um, funny enough, <laughs> I had a um, guy sitting next to me, I was, I was only a kid, like, you know, and the guy sitting next to me said, oh yeah, I went on. When an I went on holiday in the summer and I met Mickey Adams on holiday and he, he kept shouting, him and his wife kept shouting out, come on, Mickey, come on, Mickey. <laughs> that was really weird. So, and obviously as, as over time he developed as a player, he played in the Premier League and then uh, managed in the Premier League and sort of thing. And I've always kind of remembered <laughs> him and Steve Bruce from that first game uh, on the opposition. But uh, yeah, I supported Orient for 30 years, the, the highs and the lows as we're going to talk about. And the, um, uh, I'm a, a comedian. Semi-pro comedian, uh, top, do a lot of topical stuff, uh, which I'll plug at the end. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And Paul? Thanks uh, very much. Yeah, Paul Levy. Uh, I am one half of the dynamic duo that co-hosts the Orient Outlook podcast, uh, which started in 2014. So we're six years in and 213 episodes in. So um it's it's gone pretty well much better than we uh, ever imagined it would um significant following on uh, on uh, twitter uh which is which has been amazing um very good connections with the club they you know we know that they listen to what we say and they know that we're we're fair in what we say we're not just um you know ranty and ravey we try to put a balance maybe to our detriment sometimes it's too balanced um, but we always try to look at things positively because being an Orient fan, I mean, we said before uh, we came on, uh, on and started recording that we could probably have a top 30 why us uh, Orient because there's just so many things in the Orient way. There was this this real talk in our promotion season from the National League about, you know, typical Orient. Everyone's like typical. We do it the Orient way, the hard way, not the easy way. Um, but I've supported uh, Orient now for... I sh- 28, 29 years. My first game was Stoke City at home. We lost 2-0. 
Um, my dad took me and we didn't know where we were going and we went to the first turnstile that we came to which when you come into Buckingham Road off of Leighton High Road and then you turn into Brisbane Road the first turnstile has always been the away end and we ended up going in there and we were sitting with the Stoke fans um, so they, we were all sitting there when they scored and the guy on the opposite sort of corner of the aisle said you're, you're, you're in the wrong stand aren't you guys and we were like yeah <laughs> and I had this preconceived idea that we were going to get attacked and, and have the absolute uh, what's it kicked out of us. But as it turned out, it was fine. Um, and yeah, supported them ever since through the Barry Hearn era, through the Italian era, um, seeing my fair share of, of good players and dross players, actually. So probably more dross than good. Um, disappointed not to have seen some of our greats like Laurie Cunningham and Tori, Tommy Johnston. But, you know, I've been fortunate enough to see some some, some other you know, good players of our era. Uh, and yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on here. No, you're very welcome. Um, I mean, from my side, I don't know a huge amount about the club. I always admit that I'm just, I'm rubbish at that kind of thing. I'm very much sort of tunnel vision on my team, which is Spurs. But I do know that Spurs and Leighton Orient have got um, some, some strong links. No, not least uh, recently with Harry Kane, I think sponsoring your kit. Is that right? That is right. What a lovely man. What a generous man, because what he's actually done is he's so he's taken our front of shirt sponsorship. He's paid for our front of shirt sponsorship and donated it to three charities. So on the home kit, it's um, NHS Heroes. On the Black Away kit, it's Haven House. And on the front of the third kit, which is our, uh, uh, you know, braces kit, is it Mind? I think, I think it's Mind. I think he's, I think he's given it to Mind. Um, so three sort of standout charities. Um, so yeah, it, it's an absolutely fantastic uh, idea that Danny Macklin came up with. It's been executed perfectly. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's really nice. I, the sort of you know nice altruistic move that a club like Tottenham would would really. Uh, would really encourage. Um, I'm not sure about Arsenal. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine an Arsenal player doing something so nice, Jamie. Jamie's a gooner. Um, Good. Sorry, yeah, well, well, to slide that in, James. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, nice. Jamie, they're, any... all, they're all wankers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, any, any connection with Orient for you? Any, any memories uh, of Orient at all? Not really. Although I know, do you guys have any sort of famous fans or anything like that? Do you guys have any really sort of well-known who supports? Because they're a London club. Well, we've got, we of... got Pete Merry, comedian. Well, we... yeah. Obviously, yes. I mean, obviously, apart from Bob Mills is a very well-known uh, Orient fan, comedian, writer. Um, you know, he used to write in the program. He's he's writes a lot of stuff on the BBC, talks ball. You know, um, not successes, but uh, sorry, the Lloyd Webbers, the, the Lloyd Webbers. Uh, Julian and, is the bigger fan, but yeah. um, they on Andrew and Julian used to go as kids on the um, on the terraces when they were, when they lived locally. Growing up, Danny Mays, Daniel Mays, he's in um, some Netflix and Sky One stuff. Yeah, great actor. Danny Mays, yeah. yeah, very good actor. Um, I'm sure there are a few closet famous Orient fans, but we're the second oldest club in London mm-hmm. um, after Fulham. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, there's a lot of history with us, um, especially in the war, the big war, um, the First World War. There's, there's a, a famous story about that, but yeah, don't want to digress too much. <laughs> yeah. And how's how's the season going so far? Oh, work. Well, obviously, it, you know that level of football it, it's finished. But how how would you sum up this season? I, I, th- I mean, uh, Paul probably been to more games. 
than me, but um, I thought like um, this season we were, you know, mid table when the coronavirus hit in March the seventh. Um, we won our last game against Cambridge, was it? I think Cambridge, and um, mm-hmm. we were mid table. Uh, we, we probably weren't going to go up, weren't going to go there, probably weren't going to make the playoffs, probably weren't going to go down, you know, unless we were in like an amazing form either way. And then eventually the season was called off with nine games to go. They they only played the, used the points per PPG, points per game um, for the playoffs, purpose of the playoffs, possibly the relegation bit, I don't know. Um, so I, I don't think it affected us hugely. It was too expensive to test all the players on a, on a weekly basis. Um, no fans in the ground. No one's buying burgers and all that sort of thing. So uh, for, for me, our first season back, I was sort of like, you know, well, that's okay. Um, we would have settled for mid-table. Uh, not being relegated first season back after the uh, tragic death of uh, Justin Edinburgh at the uh, in the pre-season, should we say? Mm. And and is the club sort of because a lot of clubs in the lower leagues that have been really struggling because of the coronavirus is is Leighton Orient uh, they're having problems with that just like everyone else, or are you kind of good to go for next season now? Do you think? Yeah, no, we're, we're good to go. I mean, since uh, Nigel, Travis and Kent Teague took over the club three years ago, it, it's a marked turnaround. I mean, we're still not mate, we're still not even breaking even. You know, we still make a loss each year. And the CEO, Danny Macklin's uh, got a team that's really striving to, to help make us um, more financially sustainable so that we're not going to be reliant on um, on you know future benefactors of the club, it's it's not a way to run a business, and I think the coronavirus has probably made the football league and the footballing authorities really take a look at how things are run. Um, it's probably going to impact player salaries. It's probably going to impact the use of agents. Um, maybe I, I don't know that for sure, but I think I think the league can realise that if if a dozen clubs are likely to go to the wall over this, then it's going to really call into question the integrity of the game. And I think it's really made them sit up and listen. And I know that at board meetings, at Leighton Orient have been quite vociferous about, you know, the sustainability of clubs. You know, they know that Orient losing a million, million and a half each season isn't sustainable. If you get someone that goes and gets into trouble, they're not going to be able to to pump in a million and a half. You know, there are clubs in the championship where their owners are putting in £20 million a year. I mean, if their businesses take a hit, they're gone. They're, you know, they're, they're literally surviving by the, by the fact that another business is doing well and, and, and taking that hit for them. Um, and I think, I think everyone is going to have a look at this. I don't think you're going to see clubs going for bust anymore. There's, there's salary caps or player caps, all this sort of stuff. You know, something's got to change about it. And I think that our club, you know, if, if we were filling out with two or 3,000 more every week, I think it would probably make, well, it would make a huge difference to our long-term sustainability, you know, because like you said earlier, Pete, you know, people buying a burger or a program or a scarf or a hat or, or, or whatever, or a mascot package or, or, or a shirt, you know, it's another, it's another, you know, 40, 50 quid. Um, in, that the club wouldn't have had and, and thanks to the Harry Kane sponsorship that you mentioned earlier you know we've sold I can't remember how many percent more shirts this year than we did last year and we've not even started the season yet yeah, yeah. we're only in July so you know that's that's money that the club desperately needed because obviously the situation we're in I've seen like tweets from Arsenal fans and Tottenham fans saying you know I'm an, I'm an Arsenal fan I've still bought a, a, a Harry Kane Orient shirt you know so our sales have say gone through the roof, as Paul saying, which is which is amazing. We wasn't probably expecting that 
as, a, as like an additional bonus on top of the fact that we've got a high profile name as the England captain, for God's sake, uh, sponsoring our shirts because he started his career with us, you know, which is, which is great. You know. That's great. That's great. Go with us. Yeah. Hey, Jamie. Uh, I think I'll be all right for a uh, an audience show this week. The, so no, right, quite, really. no reason, just just wondering. Mm. So, I mean, talking about going out of business, um, we're gonna let's get into your top three, um, and uh, probably a good place to start. Also, because that means I've just done a really great segue. And yeah, I'm very good. <laughs> uh, thank you. Go. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, on the fly. <laughs> <Very good>. uh, <laughs> So, so yeah. When you sent me a list, there's, you know, I think anyone who follows football closely knows that Orient had some rough times with with ownership and almost going bust. So, why don't we start there? Whichever one of you wants to wants to take it away. Sure. I mean, it, it, we're going to go. We're going to be really cheeky here, guys, and we're going to do two for one. Um, and that's you know literally borderline bankruptcy, and it's happened to us twice. Uh, we had an owner uh, called Tony Wood um, who owned a coffee plantation business out in Rwanda and it was going very, very well um, until obviously the Rwandan civil war gathered pace and people were being uh, murdered um, and his coffee plantation was overrun by the militia rebels and all this sort of stuff. And so he lost his business overnight and we were at a point where it's literally just sort of putting the keys back through the door almost. Um, and then um, I, I'm obviously rather light on the detail, um, but that's sort of the general overview as to what's happened. And you know, we, we you know we didn't have enough money to pay the milk bill and 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 to you know st start paying actual uh, you know all of our actual bills. So it, it was very very touch and go. And then and then Barry Hearn came in um, and, and and bought the club. I think it was for a pound. I think it was because of the debt that we'd accrued and the fact that Tony Wood wasn't really in a position to be to be furthering us and he didn't have the financial means to support us anymore, um, which kind of dovetails back into what we said earlier uh, about having wealthy benefactors to, to, to run, to run football clubs. It's not a sustainable, uh, sustainable thing, which, which is what Tony found out. So what, what era are we talking here around the, the Tony Wood uh, time? What sort of. That, that was 94, 95 time that happened. Um, Tony Wood, he was a lovely guy. You see him on the train going to away games, no airs and graces, you know. I love Barry Earn as well, but uh, Barry Earn would probably be driving there in a Merc or something like that, you know, with a driver. Bentley. Or his son, Eddie Hearn. Don't know what happened to him. <laughs> and um <laughs> but with Tony, you'd see him on the on the uh train, not even in first class, he'd be sitting with with fans and that, you know, and one of the the current uh, uh, owners, investors is is the same, he'll do the same, stand on the terraces. Um Ken Teague we might obviously mention later. But um, yeah, Tony was a, he was a lovely guy. And he, he just like casually, obviously it was the, the stuff going on in Rwanda was terrible and everything. And he just casually said to a local journalist at one of the matches, um, local reporter at one of the matches, you know, um, you can have the club, it's yours for a fiver. Whoever wants to buy it, it's yours for a fiver. And you've got to take on the debts though, you know. And mm. there was, a, there was a, a, a young TV girl making a documentary at the time and, and the, the show was the documentary was called Yours for a Fiver. And, and it, it was like, obviously it was so significant because of the, the, the financial crisis we were going through. But the, the document, you can, again, you can find it on YouTube. It, it's, people still quote it and everything like that. But it became known for the manager, John Sitton, going crazy, sacking a player at half time, 
telling him telling everyone he'd fight him and all that. And that, bring, is that yeah, you could bring your dinner one. You yes. can bring your dinner. Oh, documentary. Wow. Oh my god. Okay, that's because yeah. I've only wow. I've seen that clip. Yeah, of him berating everyone. In but the I didn't know it had yeah. that context. That's really get get a chance to watch it. And anyone listening to the podcast, get on YouTube. Uh, yours for a fiver, John Sit, and you'll find you'll find it. You know. Yeah, we'll we'll tweet the link. I think mm. um, once this goes out. And if you come back at me, we'll have a fucking right sort out here. All right, and you can pair up if you like, and you can fucking pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your fucking dinner. Because by the time I'm finished with you, you'll fucking need it. Do you fucking hear what I'm saying or not? You see me in the morning. Listed as one of the top five. Do- I mean, it's a slight di- uh, distraction here, but it's listed as one of the top five top sports documentaries by Forbes magazine. Wow, Forbes right. magazine, you know, yeah. Certainly, probably it's on Wikipedia, so I don't know how true that, that is, but you know, I'll just name drop that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yours for a fiver, and Barry Hearn bought it for a fiver, and then bought his razzmatazz with because he used to have walk-on guests and star guests at halftime and the red carpet. And right. he just wanted to bring something a little bit different, a bit of halftime entertainment. But yeah, so to- Tony Wood's uh, business, unfortunately, um, <clears throat> went belly up. And um, But that was one of two occasions where we were literally a hair's breadth from just sort of putting the keys back through the letterbox. The other one, of course, being under our recent Italian ownership, where all sorts of things were going on, which... I can't say on a podcast, you know, because it might be considered libelous or slander. <laughs> I don't have money for, for court fees and, and, and solicitors, uh, solicitors fees. And, and, and quite frankly, I don't want to get into that. But there was lots of, we believe, naughtiness going on and, and, and so forth. And people weren't being paid. I think it's a, a fairly well-known thing that, you know, we had people, Andrea Desena was signed on something like 20 grand a week. Um, And then it was a story that broke in one of the tabloids at the time that he'd stolen something from Harrods. He'd gone shopping with his wife to Harrods and he'd stolen. I think his kid had just picked something off the shelf or something. They hadn't paid for it. Something like that. This is how this is the bizarre levels that we were going to that our 20 grand a week left back um, was stealing from Harrods. But I mean, that's that's obviously sensationalism from a tabloid paper. But you know, players weren't being paid and, and, and other clubs weren't being paid. And we were signing players like Darius Henderson um, for thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds a week, tens of thousands of pounds a week. Our wage bill went ridiculous. And uh, plas- like some of the players, it's a like plasmatic who couldn't play football. We had the translator doing the goalkeeping coaches and he couldn't cross the ball in for the goalkeepers to come and catch it and save it just to warm up. They'd have to do it themselves. Bizarre, really bizarre. And and we got to a point where we were, you know, from what I'm told what we're told by the current owners, we were literally a hair's breadth away from from literally not existing anymore. Um and then Nigel and Kent luckily you know saved us. So we're very fortunate to, you know, to, to be in that situation, empathize with Wigan fans and Charlton fans. Um we protested together with Blackpool at the time because they had they're all four owners, the night, um, the Oystons, um, who were an awful group of people. Um, and you know, thankfully they're out of it now. So hopefully Wigan and, and, and uh, Wigan and Charlton will be all right soon as well. But yeah, no, it's, it's kind of not once, but twice it's happened to us at, you know, 20 year intervals. Yeah. So, I was gonna say, so you survived the, the, the first one, the Hearns coming in, then this happened. So, Pete, was there a feeling 
amongst the fans are just like, is this, is this what Orion is now? Are we just in an endless cycle of rubbish owners? Is, is this our identity? It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of deja vu because it, yeah, it happened in the 90s and it happened again three, four, five years ago, 2015. And I wasn't born, but um, Danny Baker, great uh, broadcaster that I admire, he used to have a column in the Times. He was talking about it happening in the 60s. We had a, and we had a sort of like a whole celebrity chairman and, and, and he would bring all these friends in from the, from the theatre and all that. And, and, the, and the bucket was passed around on the terraces on, on a Saturday to pay the wages. So it's kind of like, you know, the 60s, the 90s, the 10s, it, it, you know, God forbid, you know, don't touch wood and curse it. But um, who knows, another 20 years. I'm sure football's going to change in incredible ways in the next 20 years anyway because of you know, the, the money and the Premier League, everything like that. But yeah, it, it was. It's certainly deja vu. I mean, I've, I made some notes and but to just add to stuff that, that Paul has written and, and uh, has talked about. And uh, obviously, again, yeah, we can't libel anyone. We don't want to libel anyone on this um, on this podcast for you guys. But uh, you can read about it in private eye, basically. As soon as, <laughs> soon, as soon as he bought the club, it was mentioned in private eye that this guy had um, connections in Albania. And, and anyway, I, I won't go any further. But three years, two relegations, a dozen managers, um, managers being changed after like six weeks. Managers that didn't speak any English, you know, to to put the tactics across, you know, unpaid wages, tax bill, unpaid tax bill. We was we were protesting outside the high court. We had supporters club meetings in, in town halls, Walton's Town Hall, uh, Leightonstone High Road, um, like a working men's club. You know, 500 people turned up. You know, that's how, that's how it was passionate. We were we wanted to save the club. This man had no connection with the club. When when he bought the club, Barry Hearn, Barry Hearn was chairman for 19 years. He steadied the ship after what happened with Tony Wood. God rest his soul. Um, Barry Hearn, couldn't quite take us to the next level. You know, he's been successful with 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 golf, with cricket. Uh, sorry, no, <laughs> golf and cricket. Uh, pool, snooker, uh, boxing, darts. Orient was the only thing, football was the only thing he couldn't uh, achieve success with. But he, he, we got close because we, we, got, we got to a player, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, those years were just crazy, yeah, under, the three years under the Italian that we don't like to mention his name. <laughs> and also on Boxing Day when he booted Andy Hessenthaler oh on the backside. Yeah, they had a they they so Andy Hessenthaler was the assistant manager to to Ian Hendon, and actually we had a player we had Jay Simpson who'd scored twenty two goals twenty three goals by Christmas, but we couldn't stop leaking goals anyway. There, there's obviously something going on behind the scenes because we won a game. I think it might have been Boxing Day, and Andy Hessenthaler has turned round to the balcony or to behind the dugout. And he's made a gesture at the owner and he's come running down and booted him up the backside. And Andy Hessenthal has tried to play it off as like, oh, it's all banter, but you're not <laughs> kidding to. anyone with that one, mate. The guys bust the gut to come and boot you up the backside. I mean, how is that even normal? Two adults, how is that even normal? <laughs> I would expect children to do that. I wouldn't expect grown men a grown man, you know, a moneyed man. But then we all know that it's his mum's money and his uncle's money anyway. It's not even his. I think he was just a spoiled brat that was just like, get out, get out the country, get out of Italy, get out of Albania and go and buy a football club. Go and busy yourself somewhere else. Don't even, don't even think it was his money, to be honest. Good to know that. Yeah, it's like a hobby for him. Or... Yeah, just to get him out from his mother's proper business, doing what the grown-ups do. Just go and, go and play along with them. Do something else. God. So... <laughs> I mean, this, this, we're off to a flight here, almost going out of business twice. Mm. 
I just just, it's just like therapy. Like, when you when you when you hear fans of like Premier League clubs like Tottenham, like Arsenal, complaining about their ownership, you know, a lot of Spurs fans are anti-Levy. A lot of Arsenal fans that were like cronky out, right? Yeah. Usman of this, and there's probably some others that don't spring to mind right now. Come and support a lower league club to know what it's really like. Yeah, do you just think... Like, Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't know All their the ball. Time. Yeah, 100%. Mm. I, I, was, I remember saying, in, I was in, in pubs with my mate on a Saturday night and watching Match of the Day on the, the little telly in the corner while everyone else is dancing, whatever. And me and my mate were at a bar and I'm, I'm saying to him, it's going to take a Premier League team to go out of business for people to see what is going wrong with football. And... Uh, of all teams, it happened to Portsmouth, you know, with all their problems. And, and you know, I, I got a, like a really um, nice feeling for Portsmouth because we went there in the cup and won 4-1 when we, they were a, what, second division championship team. We were a fourth division uh, League Two team. Um, and because and we, we were 1-0 down at half-time, Dean Smith scored an own goal, uh, current manager Aston Villa, scored an own goal, scored the equaliser. And then we went on to win 4-1. Crouchy was playing for Portsmouth. Um, they had that Japanese goalkeeper. Um, a bit of a calamity. Uh, I think Graham Ricks was their, was their assistant coach. Um, and all three sides of the Portsmouth uh, stadium, plus our, our side at the away end, they all clapped us off at the end. And it was like, heart, it was like sort of hairs on your neck kind of thing. So for like, for Portsmouth to be the team that's, that's financially suffered in the Premier League, things to go wrong and potentially going out of business and dropping down three leagues, it was, it was a shame for them, you know. But I think, yeah, for the, the, the people who are the armchair fans, we say, who, who watch on Sky, don't go to games as often as, as uh, you know, they probably never have. Like, it wasn't their habit growing up, you know. Or they live in London and they've got, like, a they used to wear a Manchester United shirt and now they're wearing a Manchester City shirt, you know. <laughs> so they'll never know what it's like to support their local team and what we've been through, you know. Mm. Although Manchester City were in the third, third division in, in 1999. So, yeah, yeah, we've played most of these Premier League clubs, to be fair. Yeah. The Leicesters, the Nottingham Forests. Yeah, Aston Villa. They've, well, yeah. so. they've all dipped and, and we've all we've played them all. It's just we've just stuck where we are and they've all gone on to bigger things. Typical Orient. <laughs> Typical Orient, yeah. And I, and I can remember, like, and I'm sure Paul can as well, like Wigan, Bournemouth, Hull, as, as lower league teams. And, yeah. you know, like three or 4,000 people on a Tuesday night, if that, yeah. you know, and a, a sort of like... A, 12 hour day to we leave at 11 o'clock in the morning from Brisbane Road on a coach and we get back at three in the morning um, yeah. after we play Darlington or, or Hull and, and, and these teams have uh, they've all you know they've all gone up from nothing and I think Bournemouth is because of uh, um, foreign investors again so like you know you wouldn't we wouldn't have you wouldn't have just imagined that going like 15 years ago that Bournemouth would be in the Premier League you know and, and right. read articles that they're because they've stayed in the in the Premier League for five years they're one of the Thirtiest richest clubs in the in the world, not in the country, in the world, because of five years in the Premier League. Yeah, ten years ago they couldn't fill the stadium. Yeah, hopefully you know, that'll be you guys soon one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember being at Brighton. They struggled to get a couple of thousand people in the with Dean Stadium. They had the running track. They didn't have a home. They sold the Goldstone Ground, and you know they were they were renting the with Dean Stadium. They had a running track, and we were at the running track. And I remember singing to the Brighton fans, "Can you tell us if we score?" Because you couldn't see the <laughs> the goal that we were shooting into and whether we'd scored or not. Um, and they were getting a couple of thousand people, 3,000 people barely. Now they're selling out the Amex Stadium at 25, 30,000 people or however many it is. It's, it's incredible. Crazy. Tony Bloom's done a great job there, to be fair, but they've built steadily. Same with Brentford. Brentford and, and as you say, uh, you know, Bournemouth have had good 
good investment and, and they've spent it wisely and built something from the ground up. Yeah. So look, why don't, why don't we, this, it's obviously a, a pretty sad topic, you guys going out of business, but should we move on to, uh, to the next one on your list? Yep. So the next one on our list I mean, it's it, it's not cheery. I mean, obviously, this this podcast isn't like the, the three your top three happiest moments. It's the the the, 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 the typical what are oh, why always us uh, moments. So we've done um, about us nearly going bust. I think the second one, which we're going to go for, which we thought about, Pete, was the um, the playoff, right? Playoff final, yeah, yeah. It was um it was an amazing season. Russell Slade as manager. Um, I thought he was a bit of a journeyman when he came in. I don't know what, what you'd think, Paul. I, um, he's been around the leagues, the lower leagues. And, and he had a tradition, as his teams had a tradition of starting quite badly. And mm. um, he's been there about three or four years. So he built on, you know, he built a bit of thing. He brought players in, you know, he, brought, he used his experience in the lower leagues to bring players in, which was great. And we got off to an absolute flyer. We won our first eight games of the season. We won 2-0 at Brentford on a Monday night televised. On telly, Gary Lineker was tweeting about some of the goals from Sean Bat, the Batman, um, and everyone was talking about us. We were the last team in the country to have a hundred percent hundred percent record. Uh, Liverpool with a previous one, and they sort of drew on a Tuesday night. And that um, we were top at Christmas. Uh, then we had a few injury problems, goalkeeper problems, and we dropped a few games. And then two two bigger teams, Wolves and Brentford, started like taking over us. And Wolves and Brentford, I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what happened to Wolves and Brentford this year. <laughs> Hear about them. We uh, we went to Wolves on um, it wasn't Boxing Day. It was the, it was the game after Boxing Day, the, the Tuesday after, two days later. Uh, we drew one all in front of like twenty eight thousand uh, at Molyneux, um, and, and it was going it was going well. We were top at Christmas. We um, not be book over. That's Slade number one at Christmas as is tradition. Um, <laughs> and at the end of the season, we dipped off. <laughs> I'm a comedian. I'm glad I got a laugh. Good but, one. <laughs> Twenty-five minutes. It's been twenty-five minutes and four months of lockdown with no with no comedy. Uh, it's, it's all therapy. Uh, talking about Lane Orient, but uh, the, the Orient stuff doesn't normally work in the clubs. By the way, <laughs> no one no one cares. They're, they're they're more interested in the Manchester cities. But uh, yeah, I've lost I've lost me me Fred now. But uh, yeah, so we dipped off. Um, and we ended up in the playoffs rather than in the uh, automatic promotion. You know, Wolves and Wolves and Brentford went up. Yeah, I think there was a bit of criticism at that time as well that that Barry didn't give Russell one or two more players to strengthen. I think Dean Cox has said quite quite um, recently and, and and previously in podcasts as well that uh, in interviews that he's done that you know one or two more to boost the squad would have probably seen us over the line. But yeah, Brentford and Wolves. You know, we were we were top, like you say, for for a significant period of time, and probably on the balance of play, deserved it that little bit more. Um, obviously, things would have been very different for us had that have happened. But um, you know, we started to sort of drift a little bit. Some of the results that we should have been winning, typical Orient, we weren't winning. Um, you know, we lost to Rotherham two one. Uh, we lost at home to Peterborough two one in February. Um, we lost at home to Bristol City in February three runs. So, you know, you're starting off February um, with three losses, and then we moved on and we had Preston, which we drew, and then we ended with with two two wins. So to lose three of your of your six games in a month is not is not a, you know is not a great running for the for the final stage of the season. And we made life difficult for ourselves because others were picking up points and we weren't. Um, and now you know we went to uh, Brentford came to us. 
uh, mid-March and, and, and Brentford beat us 1-0. And that was kind of a, bit, a big sign to say, actually, maybe you're not quite good enough to go up. So we ended up going into the playoffs. Um, it's a very good point, yeah. I remember the Brentford game was televised. I think I watched that one at home. Yeah, at the I game. think it was. Uh, oh, well, yeah. And um, the Peterborough game that you mentioned in February was, um, I don't think, I, I wasn't there. It was a midweek game, the 2-1 at home. But the goalkeeper that had come in on loan because of the goalkeeper injury. Yeah. Um, and he had an absolute nightmare, you know, and uh, he came in. Jalal, wasn't it? Trusted source. What was his name, sorry? Was it Sean Jalal from Bournemouth? Sean- there you go, yeah. And we signed Ben Ornick, and then five minutes later, he's turning around saying he can't play for mental health reasons, which I don't know if it's strictly true, but you know, I, I, I'm not going to get into that side of things. But yeah, we, we had we went through about five or six goalkeepers in that season. The yeah. standout one was Eldin Jakubovic. Brilliant, amazing, absolute Premier League class goalkeeper playing in League One. I think what. Also, as well as is worth a point worth making was we finished third that season in the in the league table going into the playoffs on about eighty six points. Any other season we would have gone in the in the top two on that on that. Yeah. Figure. Any other season, That's probably a great next point. season, I think is what was, was what it was comparison. Mm. We were we we just we were phenomenal that season. The team that we had, but you know, Wolves and Brentford had better teams as, as you say. And we didn't have the strength in depth. Yeah. So That's a great point. So you've had you've had an amazing season, just missed out on automatic promotion. You're in the playoffs, promotion on the cards. What happened? <laughs> Jamie Jones turned up. So we go Alex. two nil up. We scored Moses Moses Odebajo has scored um, to put us ahead, um, and then Dean Cox has scored a second goal five minutes later. Everyone's going in at half time. We're all feeling quite positive. But I said to my friends, I said, no, 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 this is late in Orient. This, this isn't over yet. There's 45 minutes worth of football to play yet. Anything can happen. And 10 minutes into the second half, our former player, Alex Ravel, who was at, who was at Rotherham. Uh, signed, signed by Russell Slade. Yeah, signed by Russell Slade, <laughs> released by Russell Slade. Uh, turns up at Rotherham. Um, the ball comes out to him about 40 yards out. He's not that far short of the halfway line at this point, out, out wide. And he has launched the ball. And I'll give Jamie Jones credit. I, I don't think any goalkeeper could have done much better with that goal. I mean, that's worth YouTubing because he'll never score. If he tried that shot a thousand times, he'd never score it again. It's kind of then one in a million where he's just seen Jamie Jones on slightly off his line, but he's thought, I'm just going to pelt this one. And he's scored an absolute worldie of a goal in the 55th minute. Yeah, though, is robbed. And Pringle looking towards Agard. Ravel, ambitious, but brilliant! I don't believe it! I swear I do not believe it! with his second against his old club and they are back on terms consider the occasion the pressure that he's under when the ball breaks his way this is sublime it is magnificent finish knows what he wants to do then it's about technique it's about confidence and what an equaliser that is and then five minutes later uh, Jamie Jones um I don't know, his wrists went or something, he's dropped the ball and Alex Ravel just sort of pokes it home and equalises. 
So you've got half an hour to go. This is like the sit on the hour mark. So you've got half an hour to go and you think, come on, we can, we can, you know, just nick a goal. One goal is all it's going to take here to, to decide who's going up. But it ended, it ended two all. And um, we scored three of our five penalties and they scored four of their five penalties. And two, and, and two of our players, one of our players was a striker, Chris Dagnall, who missed the final one. Uh, unfortunately, but credit to the to the other guy who missed. Um, it was Matt, Matthew Baldry, um, who's just got promotion with Swindon. He came to the to the fans pub because when you go to Wembley, you get a designated pub um, for you know obviously for your team. And he came in and he held his hands up and said, "Guys, I'm really sorry, I missed my penalty," um, which he didn't have to do. Um, so very big of him. But another guy you who you might know um, playing in the Premier League now, a guy called John Lundstrom scored our second penalty. Uh, John Lundstrom of now of Sheffield United, who's actually having a pretty blinder, you know, blinding season um, up in the, legends, he the Premier League. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. What a blow. Yeah. So absolute buzzkill. Absolutely. I mean, we were forty-five minutes away, or one penalty kick away from going into the into the championship, and and it didn't happen. Typical Orient. Typical Orient. Why was that? We deserve to go up. And we didn't go up. We were 2 0 up in the match. We were also 2 1, I think, up in, in on penalties. You know, we, went, we went in front of penalties, then, you know, the two misses. And, and their guy got, I think, did it go to, did it not go to sudden death penalties, or was it the, no. the fifth one? They scored their no. fifth one, which was like, they, we, 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 stopped, we scored first, didn't we? We took the first penalty. Yeah, Lloyd they, James. They, and then yeah, their, their man, Kieran Yeah. So yeah, we was we was on the verge of winning the game in normal time. I don't think there was much happening in extra time. That the player, a lot of the players, both both teams probably deflated, and then penalties. We was in front, and and we, just, you know, it didn't happen. So what, I, I just uh, fair play, Paul. You said you went to the pub, um, the pub, uh, the, the, the designated pub after the game. Um, I, as soon as that penalty missed, I just walked out and I just jumped. Oh no, I, I I went home. I, oh, I went you went home. home. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Sorry, no, I, yeah, I wasn't going anywhere else. I wasn't in the mood to. Same, same here. Yeah, as soon as that penalty missed, I was out of that stadium. So, what were the repercussions? Did you know sort of lots of other teams come in for your big players, or was that what was the sort of repercussions the following season? Yeah, I mean um, Moses Odubaji went to was it Hull Brentford. at the time for a million? Brentford, for Brentford a million. for a million, yeah. And then, um, and then Hearn sold to the Italian, as we've already mentioned. And Hearn said, "This guy is is." He's a billionaire. He's, he's, he's sorry, a multi-millionaire. Sorry, um, he's much more wealthy than me. He's he's gonna take us to take Orient to the next level. And the team down the road, <laughs> I also don't like this in the name. But we'll say West Ham. <laughs> um, obviously, um, he's they're gonna be quaking. They're gonna be looking over their shoulder, you know, at us, you know, because uh, he's 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 got some some impact, you know, and uh, that obviously didn't happen. So. Uh, so it was kind I mean, of a, quite a, a double whammy, really, is that you'd got you hadn't got to the you hadn't got promoted, and then you got this shocking owner who took you for a ride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we'd have won that playoff final, I mean, who knows what would have happened? Would Hearn still have sold? We don't know. He'd, he'd been he'd been up he'd been chairman for nineteen years. He'd saved the club. He took us two promotions in nineteen years. You know, a few managers. He he, he stayed loyal to managers <clears> where <throat> other other chairmen might not have done. You know, knee jerk that you see. Nowadays, in the in the in the higher divisions, um, we we'd, we would have struggled in the championship. That's that's not a that's not a fact. You know, that's not that's, that's a that's a fact. I'm sure that we can uh, 
uh, admit to establish we, we would have been one of the smallest teams in the championship. You, took, you see teams like Rotherham and a few others, Wickham going, going up there the last few days. I think they're going to, it's their first ever time in the championship. They're, um, I mean, I can remember Wickham as a non league club, you know, and Martin O'Neill uh, walking down Brisbane Road coming to scout a match, you know, when it, it was his, probably his first ever managerial job. But we would have struggled in the championship. But if, if we'd have gone into the championship having won that game, that, that playoff final, and had a new investor in the Italian guy, um, who knows what would have happened. But um, I went to one of the meetings, um, like pre season, they have a meet the manager, meet the chairman, meet the coaches. And I went to one of the uh, meetings. I'm, I'm probably you were there, Paul. But, um, Bichetti, the uh, I've said his name, pound in the bucket, um, swear box. Um, he said, you know, guys, let's not, you know, like we're all thinking it'd be nice to get to the championship. Why not? Why not believe that we can go all the way to the Premier League? You know, he actually said that in front of a room pre-season, in front of a, a meet the meet the meet the owners room of about 200 Orient fans on a very hot Wednesday night in July. You know, he said that and. And it, after that, all, all downhill. Um, talk about over-promising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. Why always us? Okay, guys. So what, what's, what's third on the list? These are pretty bad. Or I feel... I, yeah. One of the things about... I, I, I enjoy doing this because it's really interesting to, to learn. Like, there's some of this stuff I'm aware of, but it's not, you know, not fully. And some of it is complete news to me. And it's, it's nice to feel that, like, my team isn't the only one where we think, why does this always happen to us? But sometimes it is. I don't <laughs> know. I've got to compress afterwards just hearing everyone's misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the listeners still find it informative mm. and entertaining. And don't just think. I just say, I did think it was interesting, Paul, that you kind of, you just almost glossed over the, uh, the goals for the Orient in the playoff final. But the, the Alex Ravel 40-yard screamers like, almost live with you as sort of like a permanent nightmare. Of, you know, yeah, no, because it is an absolute worldie of a goal. All credit to the guy. It, it, he took a, he had a punt and it came off. And it, you'll ne- Google it. Go and Google Alex Ravel Rotherham playoff final and just watch it. It's just an absolute one of those that you will never do again. Mm. Am I am I allowed to tweet it from our account or is it going to give <laughs> fans flashbacks and we'll, we'll be unfollowing you if you do. <laughs> but uh, we, we won't be retweeting it. We don't need. Right. I, I've I've not watched the game. I mean, I don't have Sky anything like that. But I've um, not watched any of those games ever again. You know. But I can remember Alex Ravel goal. I can't remember very little else about the game. You know, I was gonna say almost nothing about the game. But yeah. Um, that season, Cox and Odebaggio, Mooney, Lisby. It was a great forward. Like it was a great free-flowing yeah. attacking team. It was a pleasure to watch some of those games that season. But um, I don't particularly. Remember, it's almost like you know, completely blocked out the memory of that game and a lot of that season because of uh, because we didn't go up, you know. Mm. Some of the best football I've ever seen at Orient. Absolutely, the best football. The likes of Cox, the likes of like you say, Kevin Lisby, David Mooney. Some of the players that we had when they gelled, they it, it basically all boils down to having the right characters in the dressing room. And when they gel, and it's like going to play football with your mates, you fight for your mates, and you score for your mates, and you win together, and you lose together, and you pick each other up, and you carry on. And that's the kind of thing that Russell Slade was really big on. A lot of people didn't think he was that tactically great, and that's all that's all fine and whatnot. But the players knew what they had to do. They knew that they had to win games. They knew they had to play out of their skin. They knew that one or two didn't have to be at 100%, but as long as the other eight or nine were, that we, we'd be okay. 
Um, you know, we played Arsenal in the FA Cup in 2011 and um, at, at Orient, sellout crowd, 9,000 people in there. It was one for the cameras. Um, you've gone, you haven't put a full strength Arsenal side out, but um, nonetheless, there's still Lauren Koscielny, Jack Wilshire, I think maybe, a couple of other players as well. Um, you've gone one nil up and I think John Tahue in the 80-something minute has scored, again, one of the most memorable goals I'll ever see at Orient. And it still makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I watch the reruns of it. All right, we went back to Arsenal and got Schmeiss 5-0, but nonetheless, we still earned a replay you know, with the, with the mighty Arsenal that, that earned us a million and a half quid that saw us right for a couple of seasons. So, happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was definitely the money from that cup run that, that um, allowed her to invest in the team, give, give Slade the, um, the money to invest in the team, bring in players like... Uh, and and our, our youth team, Academy, has always had a, a sort of a talent of bringing players through. You know, we've not sold that many to bigger clubs to make money, but we've, all, we've, we've had quite a lot of players that have gone into the first team. And um, so, so Moses Odebadjie would have been one of those that came through the, the system and got into the first yeah. team and, and, you know, ended up selling for a million pounds. So, guys, <laughs> what's, the, what's the third on your list? What are we doing for the third one, Paul? Are we doing the, uh, the, the, smaller, the smaller instance, shall we say? The, the little gripey penalty, uh, the... the Referee yeah, go on then. Should we do a combination of those again, a two for one sort of thing? Or... Go for it. Yeah, so uh, 2003, 2004, managers Paul Brush, um, two or three games in, he's already under pressure. Uh, I think we lost the first home game. Uh, we go to Mansfield away on, a, on the first Saturday of the season, or the first away game of the season, should, should I say. Um, Andre Mariner is the referee. His first season as a Football League referee, he'd been in the conference the year before, been promoted. And uh, it's amazing what you can find on YouTube. I found it last night at 2am on YouTube and saw it again for the first time. And uh, I thought I'd like, you know, my memory was going, something's going wrong with my memory over the years that, you know, I was exaggerating it or I was, was wrongfully accusing Andre Mariner of being a bad referee. But it was there for all to see. You know, again, we can, Tweet that out maybe uh, on the accounts later on. But he the the ball was I think it was sent into the box from a, a free kick from from Mansfield. Um, our keepers come out, their players just flattened him, headed the ball into the net and flattened him. And you're thinking right foul referee, uh, play the whistle. And uh, no, he's given he's given the goal. And uh, I mean we managed to get a one or draw from that game. Uh, but say so looking on YouTube last night. The, the reporter for the for the like it's the club video. Someone's put the club video online. Let's see season highlights. Um, the reporter, who I think is Matt Matt Porter, who was our chairman for a while, said um, the referee Andre Mariner got the last laugh by booking Gary Alexander for over celebrating in the ninth with an, with the 89th minute. You know, and uh, I've just watched that for Andre Mariner's name ever since. Like thinking like he's one of these referees that are you know God. It, whenever like lower league fans, I think you know you. You're something like, oh, all right, well, we're playing uh, Notts County on uh, Saturday. Like, oh, who's the ref? Who's the ref? Oh, yeah, he's all right. He's all right. He's all right. Oh, not him again. God forbid, you know, not him again. And um, Andre Mariner, he, I'm just like, I saw his second ever game in the Football League. I don't know who his first one was against. And I'm just, every every week I see his name in the uh, the papers, 
Sunday papers, people are complaining about him. I, I listen to a lot of uh, Five Live on the radio, talk sport, uh, match reports um, or match uh, commentaries. And it's like, oh, Mariners, uh, Mariners, this, Mariners, that, you know. It's like, how, how the hell did he get promoted? He's made a glaringly obvious mistake. And uh, he's uh, one of our, apparently one of our best, best referees in the country. And, it's and funny, it's, it's, each club has their mm. their referee that they hate. It's, it's yeah. rapidly learning throughout this. I don't think we have any overlap yet. No. We're only five episodes in. Yeah. We'll, listen out, we'll listen out for Marin. I think we had Dirk in. Trafford, Trafford Mills, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Trafford Mills. Trafford that was an Mills. old school one. Uh, Nigel Miller. You are running, that's one. Yeah. I mean, all those. I think for me, it's, it's probably still Mark uh, Clattenburg. But um, for his crimes against Spurs at Old Trafford three seasons in a row. But um, anyway, this is about <laughs> Leighton Orient. <laughs> no, I must talk about <laughs> this it. This is our therapy, not yeah, yours. Yeah. yeah. And there was another incident that season. Uh, Cheltenham away in the FA Cup. Um, Mark Warren was the referee. Uh, he'd, he'd previously been on the line in the 1998 World Cup final. So you think he's got this credibility. He's, he's um, run the line, assistant referee at the highest level, World Cup final. Um, he becomes a referee and he sent off our goalkeeper in an FA Cup against Cheltenham. And like uh, again, my, I thought my memory might have been playing tricks, but uh, I Googled it last night. It was in the Evening Standard online. Uh, Martin, Ling was, Martin Ling said, we didn't lose the game. Uh, Mark Warren won the game for Cheltenham, sent the goalkeeper off in the 15th minute. We lost 2 0, 3 1, I think we lost. And um, we, it's, it's almost like uh, that season, Glenn Morris, it was, it, was, it was a terrible, almost like a terrible season for him. He, the Andre Mariner incident in the Mansfield away game, he was sent off twice against Cheltenham in the same season, once in the league, once in the cup. It's just incredible, you know. Yeah, well, shame, but uh, that was the second one. Were these, these were they particularly unjust to you? Like what? Were they bad? For me, the FA Cup one was interesting because um, loads of a group of us went down to the game. I think we were in like a little minibus, and one of my mates, Orient fan, like, uh, Dave Buxton, said to me like, "Well, you know, swings and roundabouts, these things even themselves out over the season." I said, "Yeah, but that was the FA Cup, and we would have um, we actually would have played Fulham in the third round. Fulham being in the Premier League at the time." Uh, another London club, London Derby, you know, would have been a nice bit of gate revenue. So I don't think that particular one in, did uh, balance itself out that season. But um, we, we did luckily get to play Fulham in the third round of the FA Cup about four or five seasons later. And we won it. We won at Craven Cottage in, a, in the sort of one of the spells where the Premier League teams field a, a, a reserve-ish kind of team, you know, like they don't field the first team. And we went, we went to Craven Cottage and won on a, on a Sunday. So it, it kind of balanced out, but not that season it didn't. So, yeah, that was my gripe at the time. Why always us, you know, with his refereeing decisions. Yeah. And then there was one third one as well, uh, which I think Paul remembers as well. Um, Leeds away. When Leeds, obviously we're recording this at the time that Leeds have just been promoted to the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. But Leeds, you know, again, Leeds had their financial problems. They dropped down to the championship from the Premier League to the championship to the to the to League One, and we played them in League One. Uh, we went there and, and we were drawing one all. Uh, again, a crowd of twenty twenty nine thousand, you know, Ellen Road. Um, one all, fifteen minutes to go, ten minutes to go, and our player Adam Boyd's picked it up. He had a he had a 
a, a rank of a guy. Me and my mate said to said at half time we should sub him, get him off, and get so and so. I can't remember who was the sub on the bench at the time, the striker. And he's he's picked the ball up outside the box, um, back to goal, turn and shot. And he it happened so quickly that no one was up with play. The referee wasn't up with play, but the linesman wasn't up with play. The ball absolutely definitely crossed the line uh, from where we were sitting. We were sitting side onto the pitch, most of our fans, and um, wasn't given. And we ended up drawing one all. But we actually won that game, you know, in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> don't you find those, those are the worst, right? The cross the line ones. Oh, no, don't get him started on this, guy. No, no, Every was, episode, Pedro Mendes. No, no, no. <laughs> there was no VAR in them days. No, I, 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 I'm not, I've said myself, I wouldn't mention the same incident. But generally speaking, Jamie. Okay. All right. Jamie. <laughs> the, the ones where it's 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 cut and dry right it's not like well there might have been contact he went down easily in the box or you know accidental handball like that there is a line there and a ball has gone across it it's a goal and everyone can By see a considerable margin one in our bloke, case. or maybe three blokes that are supposed to decide those things so i'm with you on that one man any cross yeah. line thing is for me it's always top of the list i'm damaged <laughs> damaged gifts. yeah i think if if that was current day var that would have been a goal unless of course it was the first game back after lockdown, uh, Sheffield United, when that wasn't yeah. given. So it's very similar to that, really. But <laughs> yeah. There we go. That's uh, poor old Sheffield United. Anyway, yeah, so that's, uh, that's um, my take on the, the, the little decisions that people forget, but the referees that I haven't forgotten <laughs> 15 <laughs> years ago. You know. So that's your top three. Um, I'd say it's pretty strong top three, Jamie, wouldn't you? I'd definitely say so. No wars this week. No, no. Oh, actually, no, you know, we had the war, yeah. Yeah, normally we sort of, yeah, normally every team mentions about around the war and whether they were successful in the first or the first, uh, second, and you know, that messed all their teams up, but yeah, yeah, it was more recent. We had a more recent war mm. this time. <laughs> Who'd have thought that something happening in Rwanda would echo all the way through to a football club in, in East London? Mm. But that's that's the way Absolutely. of the world. Um, so look, before we, we let you guys go, are there any others? that didn't make the top three uh, that are worth mentioning. The Orient fans will be, will be screaming at their phones because they'll all be listening to this. Absolutely. Every saying, what about, what about this? This happened. Are there any more that we briefly I mean, touched on? Yeah, th- th- there's a lot. I mean, we, we spoke about, you know, obviously losing Justin Edinburgh uh, last year. And, and I think wider, the wider world of football is a great loss for him not being in it as well as a Spurs fan. I'm sure you know he's a... He's part of your legends um, team, if you like. Um, and he did wonders for us um, not long after Nigel and Kent bought the club. Um, we appointed a chap called Steve Davis, who was the old crew manager. Um, and Steve came in and, and it was a difficult challenge to, to take over a club that literally didn't even have uh, bleep testing kits and footballs and, and and stuff to just do basic football training at a professional football club because everything had been lifted, shall we say. Um, and, then, and we were bereft of equipment. Um, and Steve Davis came in and, and he found it tough. I think he found it quite a challenge and, and he was relieved of his duties in, in, in November um, 2017. And, and Justin was the guy to come in. He, he didn't make... Um, too big a change. He, he he felt the personnel that we had were, were good enough. They just needed regalvanizing and reorganizing, and that's exactly what he did. And we finished the season fairly strongly. And then the second season, we got promoted 
um, out of the out of the national league and and with ostensibly the same group of players that had been signed the previous season. They're all on two year contracts and and he managed to squeeze out of these guys a little bit more than what Steve Davis was able to for whatever reason or however maybe he was a bit more commanding than Steve Davis. Steve Davis had a sort of more relaxed, nicey nicey approach, whereas Justin was a little bit more. No, there's a time to be your mate and there's a time to be your manager. And when I'm your manager, you'll work hard and you'll be respectful and and, and all the rest of it. Um, and and he was very commanding, very authoritative as well. Um, you know, he played for Tottenham. He'd won an FA Cup. He played with Gaza and Lineker and these sorts of people. You know, he'd been at the very peak of the game. So these guys that were who were in our dressing room haven't played, barring JB McEnough, um, you know, hadn't played to the same standard or level that he had. And he came in. He had pedigree because he'd taken Newport County back into the football league. So he had that that history behind him. Um, you know, it's a very difficult top three, and it's not. You know, Justin arguably could have been one of the top three, um, but um, you know, we 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 wanted a footballing uh, one to go in there as well. Um, but yeah, he he it would have been sort of joint joint third, I think, in in terms of catastrophes because you know, losing someone is never good. No one's ever lost a manager in a professional sport that we're aware of in America and Europe. They've never lost a manager who's been you know, appointed in situ. Um, so there was no rule book. There was no playbook. Leicester lost their chairman, the, the, their owner, um, the, the, the Thai, the Thai uh, guy. Um, but um, you know, no one had lost a, a sitting manager, if you like. And uh, it's like, what do you do? How do you deal with it? There's, there's no rule book, playbook. There's, you know, there's no path to follow. We had to create that path ourselves. And I think the club, t- to their absolute credit, dealt with it absolutely magnificently and you can tell how widely he was respected and how highly he was regarded by you know his memorial uh, ceremony at the at the Chelmsford Cathedral and uh, the words that people have said from around the footballing community he's a he's a great loss to his family and he's a great loss to us as 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 football fans I don't think that can be underestimated Absolutely, yeah. Can't, can't add anything to that, really. Yeah, it was uh, it was a huge, huge loss for his family. Um, we, I think, everybody at Leighton Orient felt it in a personal basis. Even forgetting the football, you know, just the the fact that he'd done it. There. Say, um, the Italian era, they were changing the manager like every six weeks. He had like twelve managers over over two se- three seasons, should we say? Um, two relegations in three seasons. Steve Davis came in as the new manager under the new era, the new chairman, who's an Orient fan. Uh, made his money in America, you know, as chairman of Dunkin' Donuts, um, put some stability in the club. And first few games, fine, got a few wins under the belt. Then it started going wrong, 12 games without a win. And I was saying to my friends, my neighbours, my neighbours are the fan, I said, we've, we've got to give him the whole season, Steve Davis, because, because of what happened during the Italian era. You know, keep changing the, the manager every six weeks. It's just not going to work, is it? But, you know, when you're 12 games in, you know, your, your first season, imagine it from the chairman's point of view. First, your first year as a chairman, your first three, four months as a chairman, and you're 12 games about when you've just given this guy a whatever the figure contract, two year contract, whatever it was. Um, what do you do? So, reluctantly, I think reluctantly, they got rid of him, um, brought in Justin Edinburgh, as he said, like Paul said, he's had success throughout his career, early career, starting at the lower, managing at a lower level, not like Frank Lampard or Gerard going in at the top. You know, starting at you know, even though he played at the top level, um, Justin Edinburgh with with that, with that great Tottenham team in the early nineties. I think I've got a, a video back there in my eBay box. 
um, yeah, he, he he came in. He, he had promotions with Newport and Gillingham. Uh, previously got out of the conference at the National League, which was a, a great reason for um, Orient to appoint him. And he stabilised the club. You know, we weren't going to go up that first season in National League. I think we got a real big hammer in on some of the plastic pitches that season. And um, yeah. the second season, once he, you know, like Paul said, he stabilised the team and everyone had got that feel of what it was like to, to play under him. And he got us, got, got us playing the sort of football. We were obviously the biggest team in the conference, uh, the National League, for, for most of the time we were there. I mean, you could argue teams like Darlington had come down. And, and who was the other one, Paul? The big team that came down with us, I can't remember now. You know, you could say at any one time. I mean, Wrexham, uh, Sleeping Giants, we slay. We're in the um, in the conference for like a, a, at least ten years, but um, they're not quite got got out of it yet. But you know, so w- whenever we would go to one of these non-league teams on a Saturday or a Tuesday, it's like their cup final for to play us, you know. But um, Justin, he, he steadied the ship, you know, because you, you can spend ten years in the conference in the national league, and then that's it, you know, all this this history of um, eighty years of playing in the in the football league for like Wrexham, things like Wrexham, Lincoln. Should we say we've been up and down from from the conference to the football league? Um, if, if I think people were saying it at the time, if if we spend three years in out of the football league, that's it. You know, the, there'll be no revenue. There'll be no you know, the fans will go somewhere else, and that you know we'll end up playing on a park in Ilford or something like that. You know, but that never happened. Obviously, we 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 got a new owner who supported the club, put the money in, got an investor, and uh, we got back in the league in two years. And then all of a sudden, Justin uh, was was in. Uh, Madrid on the the Saturday watching the Liverpool Spurs Champions League final. He was there as a as one of the Spurs legends um, in a box and uh, you know they're doing all the PA stuff, the private appearance stuff, personal appearance stuff, and with in the fan zone, should we call it? Um, comes back on the Monday, goes to a gym, uh, collapses, and he's dead like five days later. It's just absolute tragedy to his family. Yeah. It was shocking. I was I was out in Madrid, and he, you know he was on stage, jumping around, yeah. sharing beers with uh, with some of the other legends and the fans, and uh, yeah, that it was it was super. I mean, for me, I, I started supporting Spurs in the sort of early nineties, and, and Edinburgh was the first. He, he was in the first Spurs team I supported. He was there for a while. I remember his uh, his red card at Wembley against Leicester in the cup final for for sort of flicking Robbie Savage's ear, and he went down like a sack of shit. Oh, yeah. sent off, and we, we still won. And I random, it's like it's a really random memory, but we played Northampton Town like sometime in the mid 90s in the League Cup um, at their place. And I just, the only thing I remember from that game was a, a tackle by Justin Edinburgh, not too far from us, that like it was like a thunderclap. He hit the guy <laughs> so cleanly, but he hit the guy <laughs> so hard, and the whole crowd went up for it. And that's the only thing I remember from that game. It's really weird. So, you know. Look, I can't imagine how it must feel. You know, the manager, the figurehead of your club, really, and especially one who's you know who's doing well, who's loved. You can only imagine the, the shockwaves that sends through the club, through the fan base. Um, you know, Paul. I think I think uh, you, you know you paid a perfect perfect tribute there. You know, every word you said was you know was very touching. And you know, to the to the Orient fans who might be listening to this, I think you know not, not just Spurs fans, Orient fans, or anyone. You know, the football world was. Mm. was with you there and and i think you know still it's still quite raw it's what about a year ago now or so it happened july yeah yeah june last year we're recording this in july so yeah it's a year it's a year on you know Mm. and we've had the the, obviously it's been such a strange season with the coronavirus the cancellation of the season 
no football. It's been such a weird season yeah. uh, since since March, we say. But but for us, it was our first season back in the football league, trying to stabilise. You know, after the, the the crazy years of the Italian and the two years in the in the national league, non league, and um, it was it was always going to be an interesting season, <laughs> and uh, it was yeah, it was just um, just a tragic event, you know. Yeah. So look, this a bit of a new thing, Jamie. Okay. This is a surprise for you because I've not I've not said this at all to you. Okay. I just realised before we start recording. Cool. But I thought it'd be nice if, if, if before we end, if we do something on a positive note. So we've talked about all the bad times, all the all the why always us for for Leighton Orient. But in the last sort of couple of minutes, just what's the reason to be positive? What's the reason to be cheerful mm. for Orient fans now? <laughs> Don't hesitate too much. <laughs> no, that was a terrible idea. Dead uh, air. They call it in the radio game. Yeah, yeah. We all went silent. I think from our perspective, the fact that we have a club to support. Mm. probably the really good point. thing here I think we have a club to support because three years ago I didn't think I would be taking my future son you know I've got a boy now that I didn't think I'd be taking him to to watch my team play I didn't think he'd ever become a an, an Orient fan um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing uh, guys but um, you know I, <laughs> I didn't genuinely think we'd have had a club we'd have a club to to support and I you know it's happening it's so rife in football now you know with the Wiggins with the you know the Blackpools and the Charltons and and the Oldhams and the Berries and and all these sorts of all these sorts of clubs um you know it's it Coventry don't forget Coventry oh Coventry yeah of course Coventry yeah with Sisu absolutely um there's more that I'm probably not even calling out here but the, the the just the fact that I have a, a, a place to go on a Saturday afternoon every other week in normal times, obviously, um, coronavirus, uh, you know, aside, um, the fact that I've still got a club and the club is owned and run by someone who is a fan of the club. And I always think that's better. I always think that if you've got someone who is competent and capable of running a business and, and, and looking at things from a business perspective and they're a fan of your football club, you know, I think you're being... Not always, but I think you'll always be in better hands than than a random who has no um, any form of connection or emotive connection to the club. Um, you know, and the and, and the fact that we've got good people at the club now, and we haven't got you know a litter of wrongens, um, you know, at the, the at the top of the club anymore, is is also extremely. But we've got an, a fantastic board. We've got a fantastic office of of staff there. Lindsay does the ticketing and and, and the club secretary and. Uh, and Liz that runs the academy administration and the coaching staff and Ross Embleton is our head coach and he's a fan of the club. I, you know, I know the two are mutually exclusive, but nonetheless, he, he you know, he's a, a very experienced coach. It's his first time being a, you know, the, the, the main man, if you like, the head coach. He's always been the number two before. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of, lot to be optimistic about, you know, the board will back him sensibly and, and, you know, he thinks that with the squad that we've got, we don't need to, you know, shift the load out, I don't think, and, and shift the load in. It means that we won't have too much of an unsettled squad and everyone knows each other. I'm probably rambling on a little bit too much here, but that's kind of the reasons to be happy is that we have a stable, secure, solid club, which not a lot of fans can say they do have. Yeah. Anyway, you know, it's, uh, having heard more of your story now, um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, Leighton Orient always been a great club, great family club. Um, you know, so great that the good times are potentially ahead. Yeah. So 
before we let you go, uh, just want to ask if there's anything you guys want to want to plug to the audience. Basically, where can they go and find you? Uh, any websites, Twitter handles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For me at the moment, just Twitter, topical comedian, no gaps. Uh, um, trying to get a website put together and, and a YouTuber. Every now and then, I put a video of topical jokes together. As as I haven't been able to perform on stage for four months uh, because of the virus. So yeah. that's it, really. Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Topical Comedian. And um, whenever I've got a website or a video, it'll be on there. Must be really struggling for material these days. I can't, can't think of, there's not much <laughs> going on, is there? I also, I also write for uh, one of the fan. I write the jokes for one of the fanzines, football jokes for one of the fanzines, Pandemonium, which, again, obviously hasn't been printed because of the, there's been no games. But, uh, you know, fans go to the games. Uh, it's one of the good fanzines, Pandemonium. Nice. And Paul, we know you're, you've got the podcast. Where can people find that? Yeah, so the main source for us is, is on Twitter. We're at Orient Outlook. We're on Instagram as well. But we find our, our you know, biggest audience really is on Twitter. But we're on Instagram as well. We're Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. Uh, search Facebook for Orient Outlook podcast. Three separate words. You can find us there. Um, we're not on TikTok or, or, or anything like that. Not yet. Um, not, we're not no, with the kids ever. yet. Um, not ever. I'm not having other people <laughs> spying on us. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're a weekly, uh, weekly podcast when the football season is in full flow. Uh, we do it every week uh, at either of mine or my, my co-host Steve's uh, house. And, um, yeah, we're, we're going to look to the, the, the team are back for pre-season training next week. They all had their COVID tests done on Friday. They all got negative results. So that's all, they're all fit and healthy and well, thankfully. Um, and yeah, we, we, we're on iTunes. We're on every major podcast streaming platform, um, or download platform that you've got Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, Google, play i don't have android so i don't know what it is but tune in stitcher podbean you name it we're, we're there um so yeah um we are uh, available weekly during the season and yeah we, we don't have a website uh, at this time but we it's something we're building at the moment nice all right guys well thanks very much for coming on yeah thanks for sharing your stories guys it's been really fun thanks for inviting us it's been a been a pleasurable hour Why Always Us is hosted and produced by James Regal and Jamie Mansell. This funky theme music was written and performed by Morrison Marr, a.k.a. Moss Stones, on SoundCloud. If you've got any comments for the show or just want to share the pain of supporting your team, you can find us on Twitter at WhyAlwaysUsPod or email us on WhyAlwaysUsPod at gmail.com. And of course, please support us by subscribing on your chosen podcast platform and leaving us a rating and review. Thank you for listening and see you next time.